Uh, thank you for your welcome, both those welcomes as I came in and as you came in. Um, also want to acknowledge that um, some people did accompany me today. They didn't sit in the same row as I did. I don't know why that is. I think I smell fine. Uh, my wife, Sherry, my daughter, Carmendy, and my mother-in-law, Janine. I love all three of them very much. And I have uh, how many other kids? Three other kids um, who are not here today because, well, they, they attend their own church churches that they are uh, very involved with. So thank you for that welcome. Last time I was among you, dear people, um, was just over a month ago when Father Mike from St. Matthew's Abbotsford was here during Advent. Um, you may remember me if you were here. I stood on this side, Father Chad stood here, and Father Mike stood here, and we all celebrated. We con-celebrated, which is a fancy word of saying we celebrated with uh, one another. Um, Speaking of Father Mike, at that time he was an archdeacon, and now he's a bishop. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with Anglican governance, because I know not all of you are cradle Anglicans, and neither am I. <laughs> I wasn't an Anglican until I was beyond 30. And if you want to try and guess my age, we can talk about that later. Um, it means that before, up until last week, in fact, uh, Father Mike was responsible for shepherding the clergy in a certain area as archdeacon, and that was just, just the Fraser Valley. Uh, but now he's responsible for shepherding the clergy in a bigger area. It's an area called Western Canada, um, and he gets the fancy title of suffragan bishop. And if you think that sounds a little bit like suffering, well... You may not be far wrong. Mike will be a wonderful bishop, though. We elected him to that role uh, last November, and now he's been confirmed by the bishops a few days ago while they suffer in the climate of Florida, unlike us. And I mention all this to you because Father Mike, if you don't know, is going to be providing pastoral care for you over the next few months. Um, I have a day job that I'll say more about shortly, um, but I do want to say you are in good hands with Father Mike. He is a wonderful pastor, and I've, I've said this before, I've never met anybody who calls his congregation beloved and means it quite as much as he does. Also, when I was here just over a month ago, uh, Father Chad was north of the 49th parallel. Um, he's not today. He's also in warmer climes. And uh, for any visitors, I'm not Father Chad. Um, to, to fill the space that Father Chad fills, the muscular frame that Father Chad has, I need to hit the gym for a year and drink lots of protein shakes. But all joking aside, it's a privilege uh, to fill Chad's shoes temporarily in some small way while he recharges and rejuvenates and finds extended rest in God, um, in the peace of God who made him, knows him, and called him to be his child, his follower, and his witness. And Chad has been a gift to me, too. Um, he and I have become closer as friends and ministry partners over the last 14 months or so, and I'm excited to see the fruit that bears in coming months and years. 
Let me just get a little drink of water here. So I said I'd say a little more about my day job, and, and if I speak about myself a little more today than usual, I mean, you'd only know that if you'd heard me preach, that you'd only be able to gauge how much I talk about myself if you heard me a few times. It's because I think it's important that we get to know one another so you actually care what I'm, I'm saying. Um, my job is, is church adjacent. I guess we could all say our, our jobs are church adjacent because we're all called to bear witness to the world around us that Jesus has come and is in the business of saving souls. My day job happens to be director of library services at one of our few Bible colleges in Metro Vancouver and Fraser Valley. In that role where where I've been for the last eight and a half years, um, I also teach theology and ministry courses. And before that, I taught high school English for a few years. So you all have the highlights of my resume. Uh, Last fall, I had the privilege of teaching a spiritual formation course for the very first time. Of course, every course ought to be spiritual formation of students and teachers in some way, but I was excited to teach this particular course because it's specifically designed to help students, and this is directly from the course description, the freedom and healing that is found in Christ and His Word and be able to teach others these same principles. Christ and his word. That's what our gospel text that Alexa read read for us this morning is all about. That's what gets me excited as a minister and a teacher. That's what gets me excited as a believer, as a Christian, as a Christ follower. Christ and his word. That's the very essence of the good news. The good news that God is gracious and has sent his son to show that grace in full measure. And if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christ follower, that's what ought to excite you more than anything else. More than anything else in the world, more than anything else about the Christian faith, that's what ought to excite you, Christ and his word. And if you're here today and you're a seeker, interested in the Christian faith, a growing interest and curiosity and excitement about this Jesus and his word, what he teaches is the sure proof you're on the right path. So if Jesus is the answer for the world today and has been the answer for the world In every century from the first century onwards, then Christ and his word is the sun around which everything orbits. In that spiritual formation course I taught last semester for the first time, we began by tracing the creation and the fall. We investigated the implications for our lives of being created in the image of God and and also the tarnishing of the image of God because of the fall. We celebrated the redemption of all things by Christ through his death 
and resurrection, as we recited in the, in the creed just a few minutes ago. And we reveled in the future glorification of the children of God and the implications of that for how we live in the here and now. We discussed how the fall impacted everything about us. The rational, the relational, the volitional, the emotional, the psychological, everything. We established that Jesus Christ broke the power of sin and the devil so that our relational, rational, volitional, emotional, physical selves were liberated to live under the rule and reign of Christ in full freedom. And we explored how all these facts inform the ways we relate to ourselves and to others. In my opinion, it was a glorious journey through that semester. Some students were in tears on a weekly basis, in a good way, and a lot of healing happened. Some students were finally able to see how the objective facts of faith, all the facts we recited in that creed, directly impacted their personal faith and how they were supposed to walk that out. Some students were able to make connections between the cross of Christ. Where's the cross gone? There it is. Between the cross of Christ and their own lives that had been lacking to that point. Some students. I would venture to say most students. But at the end of the course, there was a negative comment in the course evaluation. Or at least it was intended to be negative by the person who wrote it. The review said, much of this course was just a recapitulation of the gospel. Just a restatement of the good news of Jesus Christ. And to that, I would say, exactly, yay, thanks, Sarah, exactly, and glory, as some of my Pentecostal in-laws might say, Exactly and glory. Yay. Folks, we never get beyond the gospel. We only go deeper into the gospel. It's revelation of God and its applications and implications for our lives. It's a sure sign that we haven't grasped the guts of the gospel if we use the word just as an adverb when speaking about it, there's the English teacher and me coming, coming out. It's just the gospel as an adverb. There's no just about the gospel unless you're using it as an adjective in terms of justice and righteousness. Absolutely. Go ahead. Have at it. Talk about the justice and the righteousness of the gospel. But there is no just the gospel. Rather, the gospel is everything. The gospel is everything, and that is the title of my, 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 my sermon this morning, because everything about the gospel is about Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is everything, everything. My youngest daughter, who is here today, plays the violin, and her teacher has a saying. She says, 
If you're not in tune, you got nothing. Whoa, let me try that again. If you're not in tune, you got nothing. Doesn't like that word. <laughs> One more time. If you're not in tune, you got nothing. My friends, beloved of God, as Father Mike would say, beloved of God because of the gospel, if you don't comprehend the centrality of the gospel to your life, you got nothing. Jesus came to proclaim the gospel that Jesus is the gospel. And we see that in our text. So let's turn to the very words of Jesus in our text. So the first thing in the red letters, if you have one of those editions of the Bible, we can go on to the next slide. Jesus says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. These are the very first words of Christ in the gospel of Mark. But even before that, Mark, the gospel writer, has already revealed in the space of only 13 verses that the one we're called to follow is the Christ. That's verse 1. The Son of God, also verse 1, the Lord, verse 3, the Mighty One, verse 7, the Worthy One, verse 7, the One who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, verse 8, and the One who is anointed with the Spirit, verse 10, the Beloved One, verse 11, the One who pleases the Father, verse 11. That's all before Jesus even opens His mouth. Once He does, He says four things. It's here, it's time, repent, and believe. It's time, it's here, repent, and believe. First, he says, the time is fulfilled. Okay. That's not because Jesus was carrying around his Apple watch and saying, oh, it's about time for me to talk. It's about time for me to reveal myself. In fact, it has nothing to do with that sort of time at all. It has nothing to do with clock time. Now, in our day and age, we live our lives by clock time. That hasn't always been the case, right? How many of you woke up because a rooster crowed this morning? Oh, one of you? <laughs> one of you. Okay. Um, for most of us, the alarm went, or our kids woke us up, or, or whatever. We live our life by the clock. God does not live by the clock. God does not fulfill his plans by the clock. When, when it says the time is fulfilled, it's not chronological time, it's kairos time. So many things have happened in the history of redemption that it's now time for Jesus to come on the scene. It's time. And then he says the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. All right? Firstly, the kingdom of God. What is this, the kingdom of God? Well, it's both a reality and an activity. It's not a place. It's a reality and an activity. It's God's rule and reign over his people and his world. And you better believe that when Jesus comes on the scene, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
But what about that little metaphor, that, that metaphor at hand, right? Like this. Where is my hand? It's here. It's right here. It never goes too far away from me. Even when I throw it out, it doesn't go that far away from me. It's at hand. It's right here. Jesus was saying to the people to whom he was preaching, the kingdom of God is as close to you as my hand is to me. In other words, it's here. It's time and it's here. Okay? So far, so good. What do we do with this? Repent. Repent. Okay. It's where the rubber hits the road. Um, One of the first things we learn in in Bible college or seminary language classes when we study Greek is the word metanoio, which is repent. And repent literally means turn around and go the other way. Repent and believe. Thing is, John the Baptist was preaching this before Jesus was preaching. So what's the difference? Why does Jesus wait for John the Baptist to go to prison and then preach the gospel that it's time, it's here, so repent and believe? Part of the reason is because John's repentance was just turn away from sin, people. Stop sinning. Turn away from sin. Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent and believe. Turn away from sin and believe in me. There's something now to place our trust in. So don't just turn away from sin, but then do something as you're going the other way. Repent and believe. And notice, finally... He says, believe. Now, the gospel writers rarely use the word belief as a noun, okay? It's not a set of statements of faith, right? It's not like uh, a statement of faith you would check out on a church website to see if you could go there and, and actually believe what they believe. No, the word believe is always used as, again, an activity, as a verb, as something that we do. So Jesus doesn't say assent to a list of facts about me, although that is a part of it. He's saying lean into trusting in me. Turn away from your sin and focus on me, and I will show you the way to live. So that's what Jesus preached to his first followers What do we do now? What happens now in our text? What do we do about it? Verse 17 is going to be on the screen. This is the next set of Jesus' own words in red letters. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There it is. So the gospel requires a response. There's an instruction here, an imperative. Follow me. God doesn't leave us on the beach to figure out whether we should get in the boat with him. Instead, he issues the invitation, follow me. There's just a couple things to notice here. One is that rabbis didn't usually call their disciples. 
Usually the rabbis went around teaching and the disciples identified such and such a rabbi as the one they wanted to follow. Rabbis were kind of blasé, you know, they would do their rounds and if anybody followed them, good. (laughs) Jesus doesn't. He says, you follow me, you follow me. He looks them in the eyes and says, you follow me. Another thing to, men, uh, to, to remember or mention is the fishing metaphor. Many people who enjoy fishing here. Yeah? A few of you? Okay. I enjoy the idea of fishing. I enjoy the idea of being outside and relaxing while you wait on a, on a bite on the line. Um, I like the idea of it. The Old Testament imagery, which, which needs to be imported into what Jesus is saying here, uh, it, the fishing imagery in the Old Testament is anything but peaceful. Anything but. Whenever fishing or fishermen are mentioned or, or implied in the Old Testament, it's always the sense of judgment. What does judgment having to have to do with fishing? I mean... I guess you could make the case, you know, you bang the, the fish on the head and kill it, and then you, you know, you descale it and you eat it. But, but what's going on here is, is, especially in the books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Amos, is that whenever God sends the fishermen, whenever God sends the fish hook, whenever the gospel calls us to believe, we have a choice to make. We either repent and believe or not. If we do, we're blessed and we're saved. If we don't, we're not. So every time the fishermen go out and do their thing, something happens. Blessing or curse. And when the gospel goes out, the call goes out to us to repent and believe That gospel call to those who believe is continuous. It's continuous. Repent again. Repent again. Believe again. Trust again. So Jesus says to us today, just as he said to those first disciples, it's time, it's here, repent and believe. The book of Hebrews puts it like this. Today, If you hear his voice, if you hear this gospel call, that it's time, it's here, so repent and believe, don't harden your heart, but respond in faith. And as you're doing that, encourage one another to respond in faith. The anonymous student in my course evaluation might say of my message today that it was just a recapitulation of the gospel. Exactly. (laughs) And glory. So glory be to the Father and the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.